Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. I love Christmas and I love the opportunity it presents both as a family and also to reach out to our non-Christian friends and family. But there's that dread because it's it's almost like childbirth. You know, like, well, you don't know, Drew, obviously. But um, <laughs> when, when, you, when you have a child and, and if you've had a traumatic birth, after a, a bit of time, you forget about it. And then having another child seems like a great idea. And then at some point you think, oh, no, but I'm going to have to go through it again, aren't I? And I guess it's a similar <laughs> feeling with Christmas. I know already that it's going to be manic. I know it's going to be manic. And painful. Because, yeah, I'm painful. Yeah. But I know that it'll be worth it. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. We're getting Christmassy. The jingly jingly bells are going. My son is already asking me when he can put the Christmas tree up. With a conversation has started is, are we going to go real this year or just the one from the box that dad bought more than 20 years ago in Woolworths when it was still a thing? Amy, how are you? (laughs) I'm good, Ed. I'm good. Um, Yeah, I'm all about the gingerbread biscuits this year. I'm normally a mince pie person. I'm, I'm gingerbread biscuits this year. There's a gluten-free gingerbread Christmas snowman in uh, in the co-op that's got my name all over it. It's wrong to laugh about people's <laughs> disabilities, Amy. It's just a wonderful thing. I hope you enjoy your gluten-free biscuits. Uh, we're joined by two excellent people who are talking to us today about resourcing Christmas, which is just a complicated way of how we're going to squeeze more Jesus in brilliant ways into our families in the run-up to Christmas. Lizzie, uh, tell us where are you, how are you and what does your life look like? Hi, I am sitting in a very grey and grisly Sutton in southwest London today. We live here, my husband and my two children. Before I had the kids, I used to be a teacher. What life looks for me at the moment is spending a lot of time shepherding those two little ones. And when I'm not doing that, writing resources for families and churches, thinking especially about Christmas and Easter, you know, those big festive times and how we can get kids excited about Jesus in them. 
Great, Lizzie. So, Lizzie, let's jump to the headline. You've written a book. Mm. Just tell us what the name of that book is so we can get excited for later. It is called, I feel like this should be a drum roll, but I can't do one now. So I'm just going to go for it with the God of Amazing Gifts. The God of Amazing Gifts. Thank you very much, Lizzie. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Bethan, thank you for joining us. Tell us, where are you? How are you? And what does your life look like? Yeah, I'm Bethan. I live in the northwest of England in Wigan. I work for 10 of those. My job involves social media and marketing and trying to help people find ways and get ideas for how to share the gospel. I have three children, all boys, from 13 down to six. And and my husband worked for a missions organisation. And yeah, that's about it, really. It's so good to have you both here. Beth, and just tell us, as we approach Christmas, is there a a memory of what your childhood was at Christmas that stands out or a repeated theme? Growing up, my mum was a Christian. My dad wasn't a Christian. So at home, I wouldn't have said I have lots of Christian memories, but a lot of happy memories. One of my key memories of growing up was our church Christmas party, which always had the same songs and the same games year in, year out. But I absolutely loved it. And it's just such nostalgia for me when I think about it. Bethan, did you play the game where you had to have the tray in the newspaper and you had to hit the person with the, the tray so that it fell off? Was it a tray in a newspaper game? No, the one nope. that I always remember. Tell me a game. You had to, you had to roll a dice, yeah. small side of circle. You had to roll a, a massive dice. It was a big sponge dice. Oh, the hat. And if you rolled a six... You had to run into the middle oh, and then you had to put the hat, the scarf, the gloves, and then you got a knife and fork and tried to eat the um, <laughs> eat the chocolate bar. That's one of my favourites. With a knife and fork? With a knife and fork. There you go. You see, we knew how to party in those days. <laughs> I think that story, Bethan, we, we often get the uh, the comment on our resources, can you just give us a list of extra games? And I always think, just have three games you always play. And it feels like your story absolutely endorses my view that if you found three (laughs) games that your children like just play them forever yeah and bethan christmas now as a mum as a and you know as a family who are trying to do the christian thing is there a thing you're trying to do is there a pattern you have well i guess the thing i'm trying to do is always try to keep christ at the center and i'll be honest as an adult i find that hard when the world around me tells me all the other things I should be concentrating on. So I try and be conscious myself to keep Christ at the centre and then be keeping Christ at the centre for my kids. So it's not easy, but, you know, it's something that I'm working on year on year. Hallelujah, Bethan. Thank you. Uh, Lizzie, tell us what Christmas was like for you growing up. Yeah, so when I think back of my childhood Christmases, I imagine they're kind of very typical of 1980s British Christmas. Like, there was no colour-coordinated Christmas tree. It's just like a riot of colour everywhere, (laughs) and I love it. And, yeah, there's just lots of happy memories, loads of food, loads of presents, loads of family time. You know, one year there were shell suits. Um, (laughs) Don't stand too near to the fire, people. (laughs) Yeah, not something you want to be doing if you Um, If you don't know what a shell suit is, don't worry, you're not missing out. (laughs) Don't get one. (laughs) But um, yeah, we weren't a church going family. So there's lots of really lovely memories from my childhood Christmases, but there wasn't sort of discussion of faith. That's not a memory I have in in my childhood Christmases. So that means, Lizzie, 
you've had to invent you you have had to work out for yourself from first principles what is a christian christmas mm. how what conclusions have you come to what have you decided is needed and i guess what have you binned well it's funny because i guess in lots of ways some of the things in our christmas look very similar we still have presents we still spend time with family we still enjoy foods but the things that my husband and i have been talking about as the children have been growing up is how to make sure that there is as much conversation as and as much excitement and as much love for Jesus as there is for those things. And we've sort of reached the conclusion that the solution isn't trying to set them against one another, like get rid of the fun stuff so that you can just focus on Jesus. I think where we've landed is what we want our children to be doing is to receiving those lovely privileges that we get to enjoy in this country as gifts from the hand of a generous father. They're gifts from him. That's how we're longing for them to think about them. And so, you know, it's interesting, Bethan, talking about the things you remember from your childhood, the things you did every year. That's exactly how I feel about mine. The memories are the things we repeated. So we're always looking for ways to make kind of the Christmas traditions, you know, the things we're going to do anyway, how to fill them with conversation about Christ or how to fill them with discipling. And that's been where we've landed, trying to do what we're going to do anyway, but in a, a different way that is Jesus soaked. And I think sometimes we can think, oh, wow, that has to be such a big thing that it feels really daunting. But I think, and that's something I would have felt, you know, I want to get this right. And I want my children to have to know that Jesus is the centre of everything so that that somehow this feels forced and a big deal, whereas actually it can be light and happy and part of all those fun things that Bethan's just talked about. So let's enjoy putting the Christmas tree up and then let's pray and thank God that he's the light of the world as we stick the lights on. That's it. That's putting Christ in those traditions that your families enjoy. Exactly. I don't think it has to be extra stuff. Like it's a busy time of year. The idea of doing more probably fills most of us with dread. Mm -hmm. We can do the things we're going to do and enjoy anyway. And talk about Jesus as, as we do them, mm-hmm. as you say. It doesn't have to be unnatural or, or extra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bethan, how do you feel about going again? Because as I, you know, we're coming to the end of November. We, the children are already starting in my family. I find very sad to write Christmas lists already. I'm desperately, I'd, I'd love this sort of impromptu Christmas approach where they don't know what they're getting and they get much less than they hope for, but they're still wildly happy because it's all about Jesus. And and so I, I, I try to... I tr- <laughs> Meanwhile, in Planet Child. <laughs> I, I try to steal myself for what's ahead and desperately try and stay happy. That's That's how I do it. Beth, then what's, what's your approach as you come towards Christmas? Do, do, do you naturally just get the Christmas bunny going and it's all lit up and ready to go? Or do you have to psych yourself up for what's ahead? I think it's a bit of both. I, I love Christmas and I love the opportunity it presents both as a family and also to reach out to our non-Christian friends and family. But there's that dread because it's it's almost like childbirth. You know, like, well, you don't know, Drew, obviously. But um, <laughs> when, when, you're, when you have a child and, and if you've had a traumatic birth, after a, a bit of time, you forget about it. And then having another child seems like a great idea. And then at some point you think, oh, no, but I'm going to have to go through it again, aren't I? And I guess it's a similar feeling with Christmas. I know already that it's going to be manic. I know it's going to be manic. And painful. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. Painful. Sorry. Yeah. Let's carry on, Beth. Um, but I know that it'll be worth it. And 
you know, I'm terrible because I put a lot of pressure on myself to go above and beyond and try and do lots of lots of stuff and, you know, make it memorable. And so I know that a lot of the time it is my own fault, but I always leave it to the last minute and then have an amazing idea and then have to fulfill that idea. So I'm I'm trying. I read I read a book recently about Christmas. I try and read them in advance so I'm prepared before this whole season kicks in. And I am trying to be more mindful of cutting back on stuff. So yeah. So apprehension but excitement in a good mix, I think. Uh Lizzie, tell us what are you thinking as you come to the end of November? Well, you know, like part of me is just slightly glad that everyone else is getting into Christmas mode because I feel like I've been sitting in resources to do with Christmas for three years, which is quite lonely in August. But seriously, I'm actually feeling quite squeezed this year. I feel like there's been a lot going on in our family and in our church and just like the country feels a bit bonkers at the minute. And Christmas suddenly, bang, here it is. Time is pressured, money is tight. And the way I'm feeling is a bit, yeah, just squeezed is the word. And I think it's just made me realise like, Cutting back, as Bethan was saying, just focusing on the things that really I want to spend time on. But I've just realised I think this year it's going to take more of a deliberate effort just to to be talking about Jesus rather than like the practical stuff, just because the, the pressure feels on a bit more this year. So I'm looking forward to it. I always love Christmas, but I think with every passing year, it just seems to surprise me a bit more. I'm like, oh, we're there again. Lizzie, the book that you've written, The God of Amazing Gifts, how were you imagining families would use it as part of the remembering that Jesus is the centre of Christmas and trying to get that balance right and in the bonkersness, hold on to truth? What did you picture as you wrote it? So I think there's a couple of things that I'm trying to do with this book to help families in the business of Advent. One of them is acknowledging that you could have a seven and a 17 year old doing it together. So it's written for families with kids aged sort of seven and up who are probably pretty familiar with the Christmas story already. And you might be asking yourself, what next? What do we talk about next in terms of Christmas? So there's a small number of questions in the book with different routes through them so that you can be asking your seven year old something that is accessible and relevant to them. And the next question to your 17-year-old at a level that's right for them, but the whole family is moving forward together. And the other thing I wanted the book to be is really flexible because Christmas is one of the busiest times of year. So even if you're already in the habit of reading the Bible together, Christmas is often a hard time to sustain that. And if it's something you're trying to do for the first time or revisit, it's even harder. So the first 12 of these 25 sessions are in the Christmas story, but the second half aren't. You could really do them any time of year. So what I love to think is that families might, through December, at their own pace, spend some time thinking about God as the gift giver and the brilliance of his Christmas gift, and then keep that going into the new year, but without feeling the pressure that they've got to sit down and they've got to get it done every day. And there are natural kind of break points in each day's session. So if you want to chat some questions through over breakfast before you head out the door, but then snuggle up by the Christmas tree later on in the evening and think about what difference that makes and pray about it together, you could. I think it'd be brilliant if families maybe chatted together about how to make this a tradition. One of the brilliant things about Christmas is traditions are legitimate and it's legitimate to start new traditions because everyone, every family has their own thing. So you might not want to involve your children in the discussion about whether you're going to do it. You might going to say, this is going to be something we're going to try 
but let them contribute ideas about how to going to do it. Do they want cushions? Do they want hot chocolate? Do they want fairy lights? Do they want to be snuggled under blankets as you do it? Each family might find their own way of making this work really well for them. I love that idea. What does it look like in your family, Lizzie? So we have a family tradition called Advent Adventure, which you have to say with a kind of, you have to do the voice. <laughs> like, like, like a Hollywood movie, voiceover voice. Yeah, my son is much better at it than I okay. am. It involves hiding little gingerbread biscuits in the living room at the end of the day. And they hunt them out and we play hot or colder and it takes them a disproportionately long time for the size of the living room to find anything. Because let's face it, there aren't that many places to hide things for 24 different days. But it's just the idea of like discovering something joyful. Uh We eat it together and then we talk about whatever Bible passage we looked at in the morning for however long that was. We just finish the day as well looking back on it and praying. And so I think Advent is the only time of year when we manage that kind of concerted, like every day we make it happen, even if it's like 30 seconds as opposed to 10 minutes. But it's just, I just want them to look back Mm -hmm. in years to come and remember that the thing we did every year that was fun and silly also had Jesus at the at the heart of it and this year we're actually going because you know my kids help trial this material it's quite old <laughs> to them so we're going to do it a bit differently and I'm going to give the book to them to do individually okay to work through for five minutes each morning and scribble all over and then with our ginger biscuit we'll talk about it in the evening because that that little bit older they could sit down and have a go themselves Amazing, you see, Lizzie's all about the ginger ginger biscuits as well this year. Yeah, love gingerbread. Lizzie, the book is called The God of Amazing Gifts. Can you just tell me, Lizzie, wh- where did where did that idea come from? Presumably it's more than just Christmas is where everyone gets presents. <laughs> so it's been a few years in the kind of mulling over, but where it originated, I think, was hearing one of my children ask an older member of the family what do we give presents at Christmas and then getting the answer you expect them to get we give gifts because God gave us the gift of Jesus and I remember just thinking there is so much in that sentence now you just think about like I I bet we've all had that experience where someone gives you a present and you unwrap it and it is so blindingly brilliant I mean this doesn't happen very often let's face it but a gift that is so amazing that you just momentarily a bit speechless and maybe squeak a bit. And then you just explode in profuse thanks and you can't stop thanking them enough because, and kids get this because their presents are more exciting than that, let's face it. And you just are so blown away by how generous the person's been or how well they know you because they got just what you needed or something you didn't even know you needed and is brilliant. God is that gift giver. That is what God is like. He is the one who knows what he needs. He gives us things that bring us joy. He is so lavish and he meets needs and he just piles good thing upon good thing. And I'm just, I was just thinking, my kids are dizzy with excitement about gifts anyway. Let's talk about the God who is the first and the best gift giver. And let's talk about the best gift he ever gave anyone. So that's kind of where it came from, is that just that thinking about God as the most fantastic gift giver. Lizzie, have you got, a standout thought or passage or idea because you know that's where the book started and then the the story of writing a book is you've got to do a lot more work so is there somewhere just in the writing where you still it still resonates you still want to go back to it yeah so the the second session of the book is in psalm 104 as we just think about what is what god is like as a gift giver and i just love that psalm because It's just this picture of him lavishing gift upon gift upon gift. And not only does he give food and he gives the very breath of life, 
But the words it uses are so exciting because they quench and they satisfy and they sustain and they gladden. And I just love that. I just love that picture of God because that's that's just talking about creation. That's before we've got to Christ. That's before we've got to all the gifts he gives his people. He's just so generous. And we have a heavenly daddy who loves to do good things for us. I think that's beautiful. Thank you, Lizzie. Bethan, does your family open the Bible together? At some seasons or other, is is there a way that you found worked with? You said, is it six to thirteen years old? Yeah, my boys stretch from uh, thirteen down to six, but my middle son also has uh, additional needs, so he's he's more like a five year old. So yeah, it's. I'll be honest, we struggle a lot of the time throughout the year with the schedules and we're in and out. My husband and myself are out for meetings at church a lot, a lot of evenings and. The kids have got stuff going on, different clubs and stuff. So trying to be consistent is hard. But I do find that in Advent, it gives us this opportunity to be a lot more deliberate about it. And, you know, sometimes you need a bit of a reset. And I think Advent, if if people have struggled to to do a kind of family devotion, Advent is a great time to try and to try and kick it off. I know and I know it's a busy time of year, but sometimes because you are so tied into Christmas, it can be easier actually to just do something simple but that works for your family. And that looks different for every family. And I think that's that's important to remember. What works for someone else's family might sound amazing, mm-hmm. but it might not work for your family. Mm-hmm. And you might have to think, well, when could we do it and how could we do it? And what's gonna work for us the best? And year on year, that might even change. Mm. So it's being able to, to you know, address that as and when you need to. I think I would say that that's been true in, in our family life. Something that's worked one year has required rethinking. And I think the different kind of things that we've we've done, we've done sit down around the breakfast table, but now people leave the house early and there's high school and that doesn't work. We've done hot chocolate when we come in from school, a bit of a chat. We've done all kinds of different things. And I think that's, that's okay. I think what you've said is absolutely brilliant it is about you know your family best and you have to work out what works for you and it is just how can you pull Jesus in and how can you talk about him in in the normal rhythm of your family life and make him part of your traditions that Christmas is is actually about Christ we often run out of steam as we get closer to Christmas which again makes me sad but while school is still happening routines feel easier as you get nearer to Christmas and you're jumping in a car at peculiar times to visit some relative or other, or that there's uh, there's some Christmas thing you got to get, we find the rails come off a bit. We have a series of family devotions for Christmas that gets to about the 18th of December, and Jesus never gets born, which I always find a bit sad. It's okay, Ed, because you go to church. So sometimes we go to church and we get reminded that Jesus is born. So uh, because they know that we didn't quite get there with our family devotions. So I think that's it's being part of a church family that then talks about things that has you go to a, you go to church services, you sing songs. Jesus always gets born, Ed. One of the things that we bought when I think our eldest son was just a baby was an advent calendar. And it's so cute. And it's these like little figurines that are plush and they all fit into little pockets on the advent calendar. And then you create a scene. But because I'm a little bit pedantic about the Christmas story, Jesus is born on the 10th of December because for all the visitors to arrive day by day. Oh, he had to be there he already. He has to be born early. Oh, so top tip, Ed. Top tip. He, 
he comes earlier on and then we have the follow-up of all the different things. So, you know, in our house, he's born by the 10th. The response to Christmas. Great, there you go. Now you've learned something new, Ed. Just go for just go for the nativity scene on the 10th when you've got lots of steam. <laughs> thank, thank you, Amy, for always seeing the upside. I really appreciate <laughs> it in my life. Bethan, you are at 10 of those... 10 of those are an organisation who have a lot of resources and you kindly sent me a box of your Christmas resources and it's a bigger box than I expected. <laughs> You've done brilliantly, Beth, and you're picking three. What is in your littler box, Beth, and that you want to tell us about? So the first thing I want to talk about is an Advent candle. Oh, I'm, now- I'm totally here for this. I'm loving this. <laughs> It's funny, I grew up in a Baptist church and candles weren't really a thing. There's, you know, there's not a lot of liturgy. There's not a lot of kind of candles and things like that. So I only discovered Advent candles about four or five years ago. And this particular Advent candle has 25 names for Jesus on and like printed onto it. And you're meant to burn a little bit each day and talk about the name of Jesus. That's it. That's the concept. It's very easy. And I think that's why I love it so much, because even though we've got, you know, different kids at different ages doing different things, we do always sit down to dinner every day together. That is the one time that we are all together. And so we've made it our habit in Advent to light the candle and discuss the name for that day. And the great thing about it is it's it's kind of automatically differentiated whether you've got a two-year-old or a 12-year-old because how much you discuss and to what depth you discuss is completely, you know, based on, on the kids that you've got there. So it can simply just be reading what it is and maybe, uh, you know, praying about that aspect of, of Jesus. But you could have a more in-depth discussion if it's one of the more tricky names. And the main winning point of this is... I have a daughter who just enjoys the the ambiance and the beautifulness of lighting a candle and the, the peace that we then have as we discuss it. And I have uh, t- teenage boys who enjoy the fire element and they're allowed to light it. And, you know, somebody always is over-enthusiastic with the match and fires it down the room. And it just adds to the excitement of Christmas. <laughs> Who's going to get a burn hole in their tights today? We We really enjoyed it last year. Tell us the next one, Bethan. Okay, so the next one is actually, it's one resource, but there's two parts to it. So it's a book called The Unexpected Gift, which actually tie in really well with Lizzie's book as well. And it's all about how unexpected it was that the gift that God would give us would be a baby and how important the incarnation is. So so the author of the book, Annie Craig, that's her vision for it. And so it basically tells the Christmas story. It's a book for, I would say, three to sevens. It's quite simplistic. But there is also a second element to it, which is an activity book. Now, it's not a, a standard activity book. It's the, the whole resource of the activity book is made of card. So for each day, if you would like to, and I will stress if you would like to, there is the opportunity to do a little craft. Woohoo! And all you have to do is cut it out of the book. And colour it in, cover it in glitter. Well, I, I don't know. I hate glitter, I'll be honest. It's my nemesis. <laughs> I hate glitter. The great thing is you can just literally turn to a page and you can see like, oh yeah, I like the look of that craft. The pages are perforated. I'm just going to pull it out 
and then set the kids off to do something. And it is designed so that one page in the book corresponds to one page in the activity book. So theoretically, and I will stress this theoretically, you could do one craft a day throughout December that matches up with the story. And throughout, if you if you were to do them all, you would have a whole little nativity scene of characters that you could create. And then there's some other little lovely things that you might not have thought of, like, you know, you create a bell or a, a horn to announce Jesus' birth or a star and, you know, lots of lots of similar things. So it's one package. You can read the book without the activity books. You can do the activities without the storybook. But it's a really fantastic resource. So we use this resource as a family. A couple of years ago, my daughter absolutely loved having a stack of stuff that she could go and pull out and make when she wanted to. We actually used it as a whole church family. So we gave it out as an Advent resource that we all did together. The enthusiastic younger ones did a lot of craft making and and kids with the older families with older kids read the story. We gave it away as a giveaway, the story as a giveaway at one of our outreach sort of family friendly Christmas events. So I've really enjoyed that resource. So it gets a thumbs up from me. Bethan, number three in the box. What's number three in the box? Okay, number three in the box is a book called Just Nicholas. It's actually by the same author, Annie Crate. It tells the story of St. Nicholas and it uses historical evidence and documents about his life and how he was generous and, again, a gift giver who was a Christian and always pointed back to to God for his generosity. And so this allows parents to have the opportunity to talk about where the origins of St Nicholas are and Santa, but kind of redeem it and explain that the generosity that he was showing was because of his faith. And, again, talking about gifts and why do we give gifts well, we give gifts because we're reflecting God's generosity to us. And it's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful book. I would say probably age five to 10, this book, there's a few more words in it, but it's so lovely. Uh, it tells this story and maybe they've never heard the story of St. Nicholas or, or understood. And it's very gentle. It, it's not going to bash and say, you shouldn't believe in Santa um, or anything like that. It's, it's very gentle and, but it's a really, a really lovely book that I've really appreciated having for with my children. It turns out that this is a very well put together podcast. We've managed to get something for everyone. We've got the unexpected gifts, which is under fives or under sevens and might be a good giveaway for guests who come to an event. We have got the Just Nicholas book for fives to tens. In the car on the way home last night, I told all those who had an ear to listen that this was the last year our eight-year-old is going to have Father Christmas coming because I think it's now reaching a difficult point. And it's so uh, everyone else is quite worried how I'm going to do this. I'm going to be buying this book and my eight-year-old is going to be finding out about Father Christmas this year. And it's going to be me that does it, I think, because everyone else is too scared. And Lizzie, thank you for your book. It sounds like this, your book is aimed at the sevens and overs. So stretching into the teens particularly for those families, in other words, who might already know the Christmas story. And it's the chance to dig deeper into what is God like? Who is God? He doesn't change. This is the giver of good gifts. Thank you. Amy, how are you going to do Christmas this year? So I think as my kids have got older, Christmas has become more about the little things that we all enjoy. So we all get ridiculously excited about pigs in blankets and we all get ridiculously excited about you know mince pies and lighting fires and watching cheesy movies that we pause and imagine what the end is going to be. 
so I think I remember when my children were little I would put a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of energy into sort of big moments and I, I'm the woman that that did the soaking the turkey you know in the in the cool box outside with all the stuffing to make brined it for my toddlers so I've had to learn the hard way that those things like they wouldn't care if they had fish fingers for Christmas dinner what they want is my time. What they want is family togetherness. What they want is adventures. What they want is light a fire in the garden and talk about the shepherds. What they want is to see me enjoy what I enjoy about Christmas, which is which is actually, and I'm not just saying this because because it's the right thing to say, but what I enjoy about Christmas is that wonder that that God loves me, that that Christ comes close, that He becomes part of us, and He doesn't want us as as the shiny best versions of ourselves that we could put on a Christmas card or that we could present in a glitzy advert or that we could, you know, the dressed up Christmas tree looking amazing version of us. He wants the real stable dirt and straw. So I love a chance to get outside over Christmas to 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 be honest about mess and to just say, isn't it great that knowing everything about us, he came, he loves us, he's here. Amy, thank you. I think you've managed to mix together helpfully the sense of it would be great to make a plan for Christmas. It would be, that, that's why we're doing this podcast in November. Is there a resource to buy? Is there an intentional step we're going to take? But also to know no family can make December the step-by-step Christmas Jesus-centred dream mm-hmm. because they're still the same children they were at the end of November as they will be at the beginning of December. Our families are still going to be the same. And so it's unfair on them to expect it suddenly to change and it's to become some model of Christian kids who sit nicely at the table and say, Daddy, please will you tell us the next episode in the life of Jesus because we're ready for December to be all about Jesus. <laughs> but we can put in those books we've been discussing, the routines we've been having, the cutting out and without the glitter so that we can walk our families to Christmas. Lizzie, do you have a prayer for your family this Christmas? Do you have a thought you want to take in or even a corrective from last year that you found yourself thinking, oh, that was a wrong step? I've just been reflected as Amy's been talking about, about how much less time I have to be thoughtful for things and really focusing on certain things. I think when the kids were little, there was more time for craft and it, it was perhaps bigger and they were more attentive. They weren't distracted by all sorts of extracurricular stuff they've got going on now they're older. So I think the thing I've really been reflecting on, particularly as we've been talking about kind of the impact our childhood memories have on us, is is just making memorable moments that have Christ in them somewhere Mm -hmm. and doing that in a way that's not going to require huge amounts of prep or thinking. Something I've been thinking about is using using what we're going to do anyway and doing it a bit differently like my kids will end up with chocolate advent calendars I will not buy them for them they will just appear like mushrooms I don't know why we end up with so many of them but I was thinking one thing we can do this year we're going to open those doors anyway that moment is going to happen in our day let's pause and give thanks for something on day one and on day two let's give thanks for two things and on day three let's give thanks for three things I would love to think that by the end of December we could be sitting for quite some time just thanking God for stuff. That's not loads extra. That's not more work. It's not something massively different for the kids. It's just making a little deliberate effort to use something we're going to do anyway, maybe in a new way. So I think that's what I'm going to be thinking about this year. What can I do, not more, but maybe a bit differently to make those memories that have got Jesus somewhere in them? What about you, Bethan? I think one of the things that I am always keen to demonstrate to 
to my kids is how to love other people. So one of the things that really kicked off during COVID was people putting stuff in their windows and, you know, displays and stuff like that. And so for the last few years, we've done a window display. I say we, I have totally done it because my kids and I, (laughs) they're not interested, but I have made an effort to, we've got a massive front window to, to make a display because we're right at the top of a hill. So a lot of cars drive up and we're kind of like facing and somebody who is not a Christian, but who we've got a friend in common she realised last year that she'd been driving past my house and she messaged me to say that it had like really cheered her up every time she drove past. And so I think, yeah, little things like that, which they see and we always take round little gifts and evangelistic stuff to our neighbours and knock on their doors and say, happy Christmas. It's just trying to help them to, to grow in an intentional way, being a light at this time of year. Great. I, I've also learned that, you know, you've got to see, as your kids get older, you see past the eye roll. So when I get the Jesus Advent calendar out and, you know, get my now teenage boys to light the candle and they do an eye roll, what, here's mom again with her with her Jesus obsession because it's Christmas and we've all got to talk about him. There's, there's still, I did the eye roll as a teenager to my mom when she did these things, but they still meant the world to me. And if if I didn't do it, there would be complaints so I just think we are building memories. We are bringing Christ in. We don't expect to be thanked. We don't expect to be celebrated for that. But it's still, it's massively valuable. And that's why we carry on doing it. Lizzie, are you happy to pray that to some degree that would be our story? I'd love to. Thank you. Thanks, Lizzie. Father God, you are so good to us. We thank you for the many gifts you shower on us each day, some of which we don't even notice. We thank you supremely for the gift of your son who came to meet our greatest need. We long for our children to love him, to celebrate him, to be excited by him and to see you as the source of all the good things that they enjoy. In the midst of all the busyness of Christmas with all the, the different fun things and practical considerations, we pray that you'd fix our hearts on Christ. Um, We pray that you would show us how to speak of him in a way that just flows out of our love for him, that he will fill our conversations. And we pray that you would keep us outward looking, that as families, we'll be looking uh, for ways to give, not just to receive, to show grace and generosity to our neighbours and in our communities, that they may come to know the beauty of Jesus too. We pray this so that he will be celebrated all in our local communities, all in this country and around the world, Father. Amen. 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 Welcome to Christmas. The juggernaut is starting. Advent is on the way. Thank you very much to Lizzie and Bethan. We will be putting in the show notes the unexpected gift, the Just Nicholas and the Advent candles, as well as the God of amazing gifts. Go there to get them. Prepare for your Christmas and have expectations that God will work with your family. Thank you so much. Goodbye, Lizzie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Bethan. Bye. Keep it going, Amy. Bye, Ed. Bye-bye.